Hello there, and welcome back to a new episode of the Hyperbaric Reviews with your two hosts, two men who would never fuck Hitler for a chocolate bar. It's Bread Roll and JT. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to agree with you on that one. <laughs> um, hello, everyone. We're back after what? Three, four weeks off? I don't know how long it's been, but not through want of trying. There's been a few technical glitches, but we are back, and hopefully now we'll be back on the weekly for a while. So, what are we looking at this week then, Bread Roll? It was your pick, wasn't it, from about a month ago? It was my pick from about a month ago. You're absolutely right. And um, obviously, hopefully this recording goes right. And um, if you're listening to us, you know it did. So there we go. We are looking at Fury, which came out on October 15th, 2014. It's a movie by David Ayer that stars uh, Brad Pitt. It had a budget of 68 uh, to 80 million and it came back of a box office of 211.8 million. So made quite a lot of money there. But a lot of these war movies tend to, especially ones that have big cast like this one does it also runs for 135 minutes yeah it was a good return wasn't it i mean brad pitt is still a big box office hit isn't he He still brings in the bucks um david ayer from um suicide squad um the suicide squad should i say one of your favorite films there bread roll yeah indeed um unfortunately the version we watch is um it's again like similar to zach schneider so the version of suicide squad that we've watched wasn't actually his cut and he's been petitioning to get his version of that movie done um like a proper release of it for ages because the one that obviously came out that I'm not a fan of, I know you, you're quite fond of it, but it was just um, hampered by lots of studio tampering. But the original version he did was apparently a lot darker and a lot more bleak. And um, comparison to this movie, we know that's kind of the way he likes his movies, as we'll discuss as we go through this one. Indeed. I got that wrong now. I said The Suicide Squad. It was the original, wasn't it? The David Ayer one. The, the, the Suicide Squad was um, old matey boy, wasn't it? His name now escapes me. Um, but, yeah, yeah, so, um, yeah, that's the one. Anyway, yeah, but we'll see. I mean, I, I'm, I follow this thing on Twitter and it really annoys me because they keep campaigning for the original um, Suicide Squad to be released and maybe it will be one day, but they certainly spam you with their bloody tweets. But anyway, that's another story. I mean, this one, you kind of put me on the spot and I'm, I'm glad you did in a way. I don't want to give too much away. I mean, I don't like war films and I didn't know old... Um, Shia LaBeouf was in this, and I fucking hate that guy. Um, but I do like Brad Pitt, so it's kind of a sort of, will I like this, will I not like this? And obviously we'll find out at the end whether I did or not. And Michael Pena from um, Narcos Mexico is in it as well, and I really liked him as a character in Narcos, and it was quite a pleasant surprise when he popped up. Yeah, yeah, it's not a bad um, cast at all. And I did, I've just been meaning to watch this film. As you know, I love war movies, and I thought, well, we've done Platoon, which is one of your old favourites. We did Saving Private Ryan, which you ended up really liking, having never seen it before. So I thought, oh, fuck it. let's just see if we can squeeze another one in and see if you enjoy it. And I've only seen this movie a couple of times, like literally twice. And I bought it on 4K a couple of years ago, and I was just really in the mood to watch it again. I thought, you know what, I'm just going to throw it in the mix because I know you like Brad Pitt, and I'll just see if, you know, you just happen to like this movie. Because, um, again, it's, it's quite a kind of full-on movie. It's not in the same vein as Saving Private Ryan. Obviously, that's its own thing, but it's still that kind of gritty, more kind of like character focused version of a war movie so be quite interesting to get your thoughts on it at the end yeah i mean i mean war's obviously horrible as we've said on a few times now and we've done war films and this kind of shows the more gritty side of it but with the human element as well um yeah without giving too much away obviously i'll, I'll say what i thought of it at the end but yeah i mean I, I watched this i mean it's a long film you know i don't like long films as well another thing that was um a, an x against my name 
So I did watch this in a couple of parts just because I was watching it around other things. But it was about three weeks ago. So we have tried to record this a couple of times. Um, so, yeah, my memory might be a little bit vague, as maybe yours will as well. But we'll see what we can do with this one. Absolutely. Before we start, I just got to like for a little like um, just from a joyfulness of my childhood. Um, I really have a thing. I love tanks. And that's one of the things that also drew me back to this movie as well. Is you don't see many war movies that focus on the actual tank divisions as such. Um, so that's another hook for this movie where I thought, oh, you might enjoy it because it's not your average boots on the ground one. It is more about, I would say, like the tank crews, they, um, the crew of an M4 Sherman in this particular movie. So something else to kind of make it a bit more interesting. Yeah, good shout, actually, because I didn't really know much about this movie. Obviously, Fury is the name of the tank, which I kind of only noticed or found out when I watched the film. But yeah, I mean, living down south most of my childhood and most of my life up until now, when I'm in the blue yonder of Yorkshire, um, there's a tank museum, Bovington, I think it's called, but I went to a few times with my parents when I was a kid, and I used to love all that sort of shit, but, you know, that's a long, long time ago. I don't know if you've been there, Bread Roll. I think I have, yeah, not in recent years, but, yeah, we do try and get to those sort of things. Um, my missus, Rachel, she's really into aviation, so if we do go to, like, military style or, like, those sort of things, it's either, like, air museums or tank museums between us, if not, we're down at the uh, Portsmouth Dockyards, we've just got a thing for all that sort of stuff, but, yeah. Definitely get a lot of it because obviously it's quite a military heavy area where obviously you used to live and where I still live now. So we get a lot of it around here. Yeah, indeed. And um, I mean, watching the, the local news up here, the uh, the place where the Dam Busters did their raid, the airbase, that's up around here somewhere. Um, so, you know, it's a bit of military thing in Yorkshire, I'm sure. I mean, I'm not particularly familiar with the Yorkshire history, I only just moved up here, but I'm sure there's lots of shit going on, on up here as well. So, yeah. I mean, UK is a military-based sort of country in general, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. So um, let's take a look at the old synopsis for this one then. So this is pulled from Wiki as usual, and it goes a little something like this. So in April of 1945, the Allies make their final push into Nazi Germany, encountering fanatical resistance. Don, War Daddy Collier, a battle-hardened US Army Staff Sergeant in the 2nd Armoured Division, commands an M4 Sherman tank nicknamed Fury and its veteran crew. Gunner, Boyd Bible Swan, the loader, Grady Kunas Travis, <laughs> I know that's his fucking nickname, uh, driver Trini Gordo Garcia, <laughs> and then Red, all of whom have fought together since the North African campaign. <laughs> <laughs> It's supposed to be a serious movie. My apologies. Red is killed in a tank battle and replaced by Private First Class. A <laughs> 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 group on v What do you think of this one, JT? <laughs> Fred, bro, I don't know what to say. Um, I, di I did notice him being called that nickname. <laughs> Maybe we won't say it again, but it, it is part of the synopsis there, and obviously it was of its time. But yeah, it's... Uh... The intro is weird, isn't it? Because you get the um, the production credits rolling with um, the studio and everything, and there's a voiceover going on. And I was like, it's my Netflix Frozen, because I was a bit confused by what was going on. But then the film starts, and you get this lone guy who turns out to be a Nazi on a horse walking through the, the decimated battlefields. And I was like, okay, it's all dark and smoking and shit. 
And then Brad Pitt just jumps off the tank and stabs the shit out of him. The last one's through his eye, which is pretty fucking brutal. And he does let the horse go, though, to be fair. But, yeah, it's, um, it's quite an interesting intro. It is. I'd completely forgotten how this movie opened, so I was thinking, was it open for tank battle or something? I know there's obviously, there are tank battles in it. It wouldn't be a particularly warish tank movie if there weren't. But, um, yeah, you're right. It's got a really kind of slow, dark opening. Like you say, the, the SS geezer comes over the hill on his little white horse and going through all these, like, blown up sort of trucks and other tanks. Like I said, well, fucking Brad Pitt does an Assassin's Creed off the back of the fucking tank. And it's pretty brutal, isn't it? It's like it's not like the major opening that we get from Saving Private Ryan, but just getting him fucking stabbed in the face a few times. I was like, fucking hell, forgot this happened. Yeah, it was pretty full on. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's all sort of dark and all that. And then that happens. And then Brad gets back in the tank and everyone's fucking kicking off. You get introduced to all the characters. You get older Michael Pena. And uh, I'm not going to say his name again, but <laughs> all, all the guys are in there. Um, and then they just start getting shelled, don't they? And Gordo, um, which is Michael Pena's character, I believe, cranks up the old um, gun and they start firing and shit. And then they move out. And then get, then it just cuts again. Another weird thing. You get the sort of intro, the, the um, t- people talking over the titles. And then it's just like a blank screen for, again, about 10, 15 seconds. And it just cuts to them driving along in the tank. And... It's really strange. It's like just a weird opening. It's a bit disjointed, I thought. It's very cold, isn't it? I mean, the whole movie's mm. got a bleak look to it, which I like, and it really captures like how sort of dark this sort of situation they're in. But yeah, it's a weird one. It's like almost like they didn't quite know how they wanted to start the movie, isn't it? It's almost like, oh, I'm not happy about that. Let's just cut the here, but we'll just leave the cut. It's a bit strange. Um, John Bernthal's the one who plays um, Grady in this, who's also a really good actor. Um, but yeah, Michael Penner, the... Um, uh, Gordo, isn't it? He's, he's a really good character, mm. particular one. Um, but then when it does cut, we kind of get a scene after Brad Pitt shanked the Nazi. He goes in and we kind of get this scene of them all, and they're just like this really kind of, I don't know, it's hard to say, isn't it? Like, they're all completely fucking mental, pretty much. They're all unhinged, not particularly likable characters in the normal sense, but you do, they do grow on you, and I do like warm to quite a few of them as the movie goes on. But they're all just there completely arguing and bickering. And then Brad Pitt's like, all right, get your shit together. We're moving out. And then suddenly, like a well-oiled machine, they all just click into focus and off they go. Yeah. And I think that kind of gives that whole claustrophobic thing. I mean, if you're spending a lot of your time in that tank, I mean, it's a very small, compact area, isn't it? And the intensity and of what's going on around you, you're going to fucking flip out and argue with everyone, aren't you? It's just such a horrible situation to be in. And then they end up back at sort of their, their base or whatever. And there, there's a goat, I noticed. So, um, again, props to goats. They pop up in films here and there. And um, Brad's looking a little bit stressed out, isn't he, at this point? Because he, he's kind of the cool character, but he starts to show sort of a few cracks early on in the film, which he kind of shows, again, a few times a bit later on. But he, he's not looking as cool and calm as he is around his guys. When he's actually on his own, he, he looks like the sort of person he'd expect you to be under that sort of pressure, doesn't he? He does, yeah, and I think he does it really well. I mean, we know Brad Pitt's a great actor. His resume speaks for itself. But in movies like this, you kind of, you really see how good of a character actor he is. And, like, the whole thing, I suppose, of being a good commander, you can't look weak in front of your men. They look to you for guidance. So he's obviously just about holding it together. But then there's that bit that he, like, kind of goes around the corner and makes sure he's out of sight. And he literally falls down and is, like, having a panic attack, isn't he? Like, he's just, like, fucking hell. Because looking back at, obviously, the battlefield, we've just been seen and they've obviously seen all the other tanks and that get blown to shit his gunner or his co-gunner red isn't he? he's been fucking shot and we see like a bit of his face in a minute 
um, just randomly on a seat. Um, but yeah, I think he does it really well. Yeah, he does. And he does it again a little bit later on after another battle. But yeah, he, he's not too happy when old Norman steps up and says, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm your new like assistant gunner or whatever. And none of them are. They start ribbing him, don't they? The whole crew are like really fucking taking the piss out of him and giving him loads of grief and everything. And then Brad's like, yeah, well, your first job is to go in there and clean all the blood and shit from outside or inside of the tank. And that's when he sees sort of half of Red's face. He's just lying there on the seat. And old uh, Paul Norman just jumps out of the tank and he's sick everywhere, which is unsurprising, really, after what he's just seen. Yeah, yeah, I would. I think I'd probably do the same thing as well. And um, just a minute ago, you mentioned there about the claustrophobia of like tanks and stuff. And I love tanks, but if I was in the service, I, I don't know if I could handle it. But apparently David Ayer made them live in this tank when they were filming the movie. Like they did their boot camp training. And then for the duration of the filming, he made them stay in there and they had to sleep in there, shit in there and do all their stuff. So that they got used to it and all got used to being in close confines. It's probably why they all like do a good job of acting unhinged because they were stuck in there for the whole shoot. Yeah, fair play. Yeah, I mean, I'm quite claustrophobic anyway. I didn't think I was, but as I've got older, I, I don't like being in lifts and just general small spaces. I'm I'm just not a fan. I never used to be bothered by it, but yeah, just the thought of that. I mean, I think I've said before, even probably on this podcast, my dad's best friend was in the Navy and he was in a submarine. And again, uh, obviously it's not a tank, but it's a similar sort of thing, even worse because you're underwater. That just freaks me out. I, I don't think I could do it. I just don't think I could. Certainly in battle anyway. I mean, I'm a fucking wet lad anyway, so I wouldn't go to war. But no, it's just not for me. Oh, fair play. Yeah, an old guy who plays Norman, Logan Lerman, I think it is. Um, like he's so baby-faced and fresh-faced, isn't he? Like compared to these guys, because John Burnfall, I think I think he's a great actor and he's always good at playing. He's really kind of scary guys that look like they're just going to snap. Like he played the Punisher, he was Shane in The Walking Dead. I think that's where he kind of got his main kind of break from and everything like that and he's just and Shia LaBeouf to be or Shia LaBeouf however you say it I don't like him much like yourself but he's like this kind of bibly strange guy in this and all these characters when Norman turns up he just looks so out of place there doesn't he yeah he does yeah he looks like a kid and I mean he even admits doesn't he he's like I'm not fucking trained for any of this he's like a pen pusher isn't he he's like an admin guy he's been thrown into the deep ends and so even worse for him he's not battle hardened or anything so fucking hell fair play to him yeah, because he's like, oh, I was trained to type 60 words a minute. I'm not yeah. trained to gun or a driver or anything like that. And Brad Pitt's like, hey, walking through that gun. An old fucking John Burnfall, and um, gunner guy, he sort of goes, right, you flick that over, now you can shoot. You flick it back, now you can't shoot. There you go. And that's his fucking training. <laughs> Sounds about something like some of the training I get in, in my job, but obviously not for shooting fucking guns. That's just for doing a bit of admin work. But yeah, fuck that. Not, not for me, as I said. Yeah. So as Fieri moves deeper into Germany, Norman, um, Norman's inexperience becomes dangerous. He fails to stop some Hitler youth child soldiers from ambushing the platoon leader's tank with a Panzerfaust, which kills the entire crew. Later, he hesitates under fire during a battle of anti-tank guns. After the battle, Don orders Norman to execute a German prisoner. When he refuses, Don wrestles a pistol into his hands and forces him to pull the trigger, killing the prisoner and traumatizing Norman. Um, that covers a, just about sort of 25, maybe 30 minutes of the movie there as they're sort of going along and everything. But it, this movie doesn't open up with a big action piece. And I kind of like it because then when the random action pieces kick off, they're just so like sudden and so fucking brutal. Like that tank gets shot with a fucking Panzerfaust. And that guy comes out and he's all on fire and he's screaming. He ends up just shooting himself in the head and everything. It's like, fucking hell. I mean, that's another reason not to get in the tank, I think. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly that. It's got the shock factor, hasn't it? And I thought that it, the tanks trundling along and they're sort of talking everything, and they see a few people, sort of prisoners and that, sort of traipsing along, some civilians, and then yeah, it just all happens really quickly. And the guy comes out, he's fucking burning, he blows his own brains out, and it's like fuck me, yeah, it's that shock factor, and I think it works really well. Yeah, yeah, it's really good, and we sort of get the sense as they're sort of chatting and everything. I mean. War Daddy, who is based off of a real tank captain who was codenamed War Daddy, although he isn't playing that character. This is not this is like a fictional story, but just based on events like most war movies are. Um, but you really get the sense in this that he just fucking hates the SS. And why wouldn't you? They're a bunch of fucking tossers. I could use a stronger word, but we're a PG show. <laughs> but um, um, yeah, I really like the fact that he like fucking just hates the SS. They're even making a point, don't they? It's like, if any of them are SS, you just fucking shoot them. If you see oak leaves, you shoot them. If you see fucking, you know, bolts on their lapels or anything, you just fucking shoot them. And he's just telling Norman, as soon as you see, see someone who looks like an SS, just gun them down regardless. If someone's in the way, you just shoot him. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that mentality sort of plays out throughout the film for him, doesn't it? Um, I mean, he goes mental at old Norman when he doesn't shoot that German guy, but... Again, seeing it from Norman's perspective, he's been completely thrown at the deep end. And the guy's like, I've got family, I've got children and everything. And it would fucking, as a human being, yeah, he's the enemy and probably he's an arsehole to, you know, he's been told to be an arsehole. But at the end of the day, he's a fucking human being. And to be putting a gun to his head, you know, obviously Brad Pitt, he's battle-hardened, he's been there, he's done that. It's probably like run of the mill for him. But for your first one, it would be fucking hard, I'm pretty sure. Definitely. I mean, I think the title of the movie, Fury, is a play on words. Like, obviously, the tank is called Fury, but I think it is also about, as we go on Norman's journey, obviously, throughout this movie, it's like him finding that war rage within himself and his own fury. Like you say, the rest of them, they say they've been together since the Africa campaign, which started on 10th of June, 1940. So they've been in the war literally up until, and this is like 945, so right to the closing time, they've been in this tank fighting. They've seen loads of fucking horrendous shit, so they've got that kind of I don't know, that darkness, that rage that obviously helps him function in the war zone. He hasn't got that himself yet. And I think that's just how anyone would react, isn't it? Like you say, just from a human perspective, you'd be so fucking like, what the hell's going on here if you were just thrown into that situation? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, without giving too much away, it doesn't take him long to get that fury, but obviously something kicks off and starts it for him. Um, But one thing I did think, right, is when they sort of move on a little bit in Brad Pitt, keep calling him Brad, his his character, I can't even fucking remember his name in the film that has been so long since I watched it, so I'm going to call him Brad, but when he gets the um the orders to go in and rescue the guys and everything, he's pretty calm, he's like, yeah, I can fucking do that, it's like, it's, you know, it's like someone's saying to you, can you just knock up a quick Excel spreadsheet, he's like, yeah, fucking I'll go and do that, it's like, it's cool, it's just you know, like his day job now, isn't it? Yeah, and I love the way when they rock up, because um, we've got old Jason Isaacs in this movie, haven't we? He's a bit of a legend, and he like, pops up in quite a few things. Um, but they pull into, like, there's a kind of, like, little, I don't know, it's like a farm area or, like, a small town and everything. And it's like, oh, yeah, just park it over there. And it's like, well, ain't a fucking Skoda, is it? It's a tank. You moron or something. But, yeah, like you say, he gets his orders, and they're like, yeah, just go in there, take a couple of tanks and do what you can. And that battle, first of a couple that we get, where they're covering the, um or taking out the anti-tank guns, I just love how claustrophobic and tense it is because old um they're shouting at Norman, aren't they? It's like shoot people, and he's like, oh, but they're dead. And old fucking what's his face, isn't he? Um, oh, what's his name? It's um, uh, the guy from the Gordo, isn't it? The Gunner guy. And he's like, are you a fucking doctor? Do they, you know, have they got a pulse or anything? You shoot them and you make sure they're dead, and they're just completely mowing these people down. 
Yeah, it's cool, isn't it? I like that bit. And fuck knows how, like, they're in the tanks, obviously. Fuck knows how they don't run the um, the foot soldiers over because they're crawling along, aren't they? And they're weaving between them. I'm like, how the fuck do you not run them over? Obviously, they run a few Nazis over that they've shot, but the the um obviously the Allies, they're managing to avoid, and that's fair play. I mean, I'm assuming that's fairly realistic, but you'd be thinking a few of them must have got, like, run over. They must have been, because if you're a foot soldier, I mean, at least in a tank, I mean, I know Sherman's, um, I'll touch on the Sherman's specs in a bit, because obviously there's a bit later on, the Tiger tank that's fucking amazing. Um, but obviously you're in a tank, you you know you're safe from pretty much small arms fire, but the, the soldiers, obviously, they're, out, they're exposed, aren't they? So they'd probably be hunkering against the tank. People must have been run over, like collateral damage, if someone just suddenly got scared, shit themselves, or wasn't paying attention to the fact that there's a fucking tank right behind them during a gunfight. Yeah, it must have happened all the time. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure at one point they're like, oh, well, you know, watch, watch for the guys on the floor. And they're weaving in between them as they're sort of crawling along the ground. And it's like, fucking hell, that, yeah, must have ended in uh, sort of uh, bad times for some of them. But it kind of, again, I don't know how realistic this is because I'm not well up on um, World War Two sort of stuff and everything. But when the tanks are firing and the, the gunners are firing back, it looks like laser fire. I mean, is that how it actually looked or is it just done for dramatic effect? I think... I'm not 100% sure, because at one point there's a bit of dialogue and he says you've got a tracer in every fifth round so you can see where the shot's going. Um, so I assume they're in there, because I have read um, that a few historians and people actually fought in World War II in the t- in the tank divisions watch this film and they say up in t- other than one particular point, it's pretty much about as accurate as you can get for this sort of type of movie. So I assume they had tracers back then. You just don't ever really see them in any other films, do you? No, it just looked, I was like, I was watching this and I was watching it in 4K on Netflix and I was thinking, is that just done so you can see where they're actually going or is that how it actually looked? It did look good though, I mean, I enjoyed it, don't get me wrong. But yeah, I mean, when um, older Brad asked Norman to kill the SS guy and everything, he's like, I'd rather you fucking killed me than I did this as well. So, you know, he's so not into it, is he? He's like, just fucking kill me. So he definitely is not into that idea at all. Yeah, and I, all the guys are just sort of standing around sort of laughing and everything like it's sport to them. And you think, yeah, that's just really harsh and everything. It's like, well, considering what the Nazis were like and considering they're like now they push through, they're, they're in Germany at this point in time. This is the ass end of the war. They're trying to just wait for the fucking Nazis to give up so everyone can go home. You, you know, it's like it does seem cruel, obviously, the fact that they're laughing, they're killing this poor bloke who's begging. But I don't think it's cruelty. It's just surviving, isn't it? It's just that you probably just had to be in that mindset. You're not going to survive a war without it, I don't think. Yeah, I think, and for most of the other guys, like we said, they've been there and done that. So, yeah, it's sort of the day job for them. But Norman, obviously, it's all new to him. But again, this is where we see older uh, Brad Pitt. He sort of steps away again, doesn't he? And all the other guys are sort of bantering everything. And he looks pretty traumatised again. He's sat there on his own smoking. And you can see that it's taking a toll on him as well. Although, as we said, he's bringing it up to his, his crew. But personally he's definitely sort of feeling the strain now yeah i mean again he's we said like his acting and stuff and i remember the first time i watched this you know we go back to when he first meets norman he's like no i don't want you as my like my gunner or whatever um at first i thought he just doesn't want him because he just looks like a bit of a fucking bookworm but then i'm thinking he probably just doesn't want to be responsible for the death of another person like because he loves his crew i promise to bring them through this that's a big drive of him, isn't it? Red's died and now he knows he's failed and he's trying to keep the others together because he's like, I promised I'd take you all home. We've gone through all this. And I think it's mainly because he's like, this is just a kid. I don't want his death on my conscience. And I think that's what's really bugging him. 
Yeah, I think you're right. And he sort of obviously, he, he says that a few times throughout the film, how he's responsible for, for the crew and everything. And he's sort of their, you know, their father figure, isn't he, to a certain extent. Um, but, oh, Gordo sticks up for Brad, doesn't he, Don? He says, um, you know, he's crazy and fucking everything, but he wouldn't do this for anything else, you know, or I wouldn't be with anyone else. He's the guy I really want with me. So you can see his crew are behind him as well. Definitely. And even after he goes about crazy shit with um, Norman, I guess, in the shoot that geezer and everything, when he sort of he comes back again, he's like, I haven't seen you eat anything today. Make sure you eat. And then old um, John Bernthal's character is like, well, you better make sure he sees you eat something because he'll expect to see it sort of thing. And it's just like that whole kind of like twitch and tone, like when they're on point or when they've been given an order, they function and they're all normal. It's when they're without orders or without something to shoot at that they all just kind of go a bit wonky, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And obviously Brad's a driving force there, which is why he needs to fucking be on, on point the whole time and just make sure he looks together when he's with them. So after the platoon captures a small town, Don and Norman search an apartment and encounter a German woman named Irma and her youngest cousin, Emma. Don pays them for a hot meal and some hot water for a shave. Norman and Emma bond, and at Don's urging, the two go into the bedroom and become intimate. Later... As the four sit down to eat, the rest of the crew drunkenly barges in, harassing the woman and bullying Norman, but Don firmly rebukes them. They're then called away for an urgent mission. The German artillery strikes the town as they prepare to leave, which kills Emma and further traumatises Norman. This is another kind of tense bit, so before we get to the bit where they kind of, they sort of take the town and he goes up and meets those people, we get them coming in and like, they're shooting this, um, there's like this MG nest in there in like a kind of, like a basement, I suppose. And one of the tanks just puts a shell straight into it and nearly levels the whole fucking building. And then they pull up to like a music store and there's all these like fucking Hitler youth and everything in there. And it's just, it's just so freaky. So when you think back and think that was really how things were going on back in the 1940s and shit in that war. It's just all that kind of brainwashing of the youth and that. It's just fucking weird and freaky. It is, isn't it? Because you see all the people hanging, they've got the signs around their necks and um, it says they were too cowardly to fight. And the SS put those um, the signs on them, didn't they, and everything. And then there's a guy, that, when the fucking the big anti-tank machine gun or whatever is firing, some guy gets his leg literally fucking blown in, in two, doesn't he? His fucking bottom of his leg comes off. It's like, fuck me, that's pretty brutal. Yeah, it's pretty fucking gnarly indeed, isn't it? Um... And this, um, I just love, again, like the whole way this movie shot, everything just looks so cold and it just kind of really drives home just how horrible that whole situation would have been. Um, even though Germany's a beautiful country during that time, just how, I don't know, just how bleak everything was. Um, but I do like it. It's shot in um, Hertfordshire, most of it, I think. Um, obviously here in England, a lot of it. But the sets they created, I think, look absolutely brilliant. They do look really realistic, don't they? Definitely. I mean, Norman gets a sort of a bit of a resurgence here doesn't he? he does shoot a few with the old uh, machine gun he sort of has a little go and he starts to sort of get more into the, the well, what he's supposed to be doing i guess but yeah when the little fucking the kids come out of the house and everything and then they shoot the ss guy i don't know he's been hanging all the people that like, there he is and they sort of surround him and they take him out because he's obviously been a complete arsehole just hanging in him and didn't want to fight so at least he gets his comeuppance i suppose yeah definitely and like I say poor Norman here I feel sorry for him because they've been saying you you know twice now you failed to shoot someone then he shoots the um like the SS they've just been cooked with that anti-tank gun they're coming out and they're on fire and he's blowing them away and then they turn around and go oh you should have let them burn I'd have been like fuck's sake one minute you want me to shoot them later <laughs> you want me to do it <laughs> yeah I know it's sort of a, a bit of a weird one isn't it but it's quite funny that they 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 take the town and everything and they're sort of all 
almost partying and then there's just a random piano in the middle of the town isn't there and they're drinking and playing it just sort of just <laughs> on the street which is i thought was quite funny yeah it's quite random i just like that they're all like pissing around and fucking is gordo and um Burntall's character, I'm not going to repeat his name, and I don't know his main name, so I'm just going to call him John. Um, <laughs> they still take this woman into the tank for a bit of Humpty Dumpty, don't they? They're like, sort of like taking oh, turns or stuff. And it's like, and you've got old Sheila Booth's character, um, Bible. He's just sat by this little campfire, like reading his Bible, I assume, just completely oblivious to it. Or when the other two fuck off upstairs and meet um, Irma and Emma, don't they? Yeah, it's weird, Nick. <laughs> they go in the house and everything, they, they search it, and she's got her under the bed. And um, they they finally realise she's under there and everything. And then Brad Pitt's just got a random box of eggs, isn't he, in his bag? He's like, can you cook these up? I was like, where the fuck did you get them from? Yeah, <laughs> she's sort of just like, she's quite happy to do it though, isn't she? Like, hands on the egg yeah. and something else, and she just like tootles off to the kitchen, does her stuff and everything. And um, he asks for some water, and he sort of takes a shirt off and has a shave. And old um Norman starts playing the piano, and Emma comes along and sings along. Then they see um. In the mirror, don't they? Like Brad Pitt's back is just all kind of like gnarly and scorched now. So I assume he was caught in a burning tank or something. That's what they're hinting at. Yeah, it's pretty gnarly, isn't it, when they see his back? But it's quite funny, isn't it? He starts playing the piano and she gets a wide on for him straight away. She comes over and starts singing. I mean, it doesn't take long for them to get it on, does it really? It doesn't, because even Brad Pitt's like, oh, she's a good, clean girl. If you don't take her in that bedroom, I'm going to do it. It's like, fucking calm down, Brad. <laughs> it's like, half <laughs> your age, for Christ's sake, you think you're Leonardo DiCaprio? <laughs> one thing though like they go in the bedroom um norman and emma and he's he's doing a lifeline on her hands isn't he and his his fingers are really clean considering the shit he's been through everyone else has got really mucky and dirty fingernails and everything like you would have and he seemed quite clean for the situation i thought yeah like i i understand him being clean at the start but he stays clean a little too long doesn't he it's just he like does. the rest of them just look like they've been rolling shit like twice over or something like that and it adds to the look because they just look completely fatigued but yeah, he goes into the bedroom and obviously he's quite quick about his business, isn't he? But I assume it's his first time, so we can't blame the man. Well, he can't. I mean, even if it isn't, it's probably been a while since he had a bit, so, you know. But, yeah, it doesn't take him long to get it on, doesn't take him long to finish. But they both come out and they look pretty smug afterwards, don't they? They both have this fucking, like, sort of warm glow on their faces, which I guess you would have. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's just one of those things, isn't it? Like, when you're in a war, you just have to appreciate that any time you're not being shot at, However long that lasts and however long you're still alive, you've got to kind of take advantage of the good stuff and, you know, fair play to them, really. But, yeah, they're quite pleased with themselves. And then they start eating their eggs and the rest of them kind of like barging. And I just think this whole scene around the table was just really tense. And I think it speaks to the quality of the acting because, as I said before, I like John Bernthal, but he's good at playing these really unhinged characters who look like they're just going to snap at any minute. The Shia Buff, he's just got this really fucking weird intense stare and i don't like him as an actor but in this movie is his character i think he kind of works because you're just like this guy's fucking mental as well yeah i did kind of like this whole scene it, it sort of slows the pace down but it works really well doesn't it they all come in and they're all being complete assholes to to norman they're probably mugging him off and calling him a kid and everything and saying oh you've got it on because at first they say oh the girl's in the tank ready for you and he's, he sort of looks and then they're like oh they realize he's got it on with emma and then they're complete arseholes to her as well. And fucking Gordo looks like a magician, doesn't he? He's got a top hat and a fucking cane. I don't know what the fuck's going on there. And he gives that speech about killing the horses and everything. But it said there that old Don, Brad Pitt, he, he sticks up for Emma and um, Norman, which he does. He, he sort of, he, he does when they start completely getting out of order, he does sort of stick up for them. But 
I thought he lets them go a bit too far because they're properly mugging Norman off and sort of almost not beating him up, but they're flicking him and fucking being absolute arseholes to him. And he sits there and lets them do it, doesn't he? And I'm thinking at some point now you need to step in, really. Yeah, because old fucking um, Burnfall's cut, he like, they've got the eggs, haven't they? And he like grabs them and like licks it or something, doesn't he? Yeah. And sticks it in a plate. He's just been an absolute pillock. And yeah, I've always thought it was a bit weird, like he lets them go too far. Because when they're telling that story about the horses, he tells them like two or three times, he's like, stop it you know i don't want to hear this sort of thing and i think i only noticed it this latest time when i was watching it but i think that story is them warning norman so like obviously they say that oh yeah old war daddy loves horses and all that stuff because we saw at the start of the movie shanks the ss and lets the horse go mm. and the life that we came into this place we laid down fire and there was loads of dying horses and he's like oh do you know how you kill a horse you pat it on the back of the head and make you think you're its friend and then you shoot it in the back so it's painless and i think that's them kind of warning Norman it's like that's what he's doing to you like he's pretending to be your friend so that if the time comes he has to kill you you'll you won't die in fear or something weird like that I think there's like a double meaning to it oh yeah kind of possibly a good shout actually because he does say doesn't he if anyone touches Emma I'll fucking kick your teeth in and everything but then like you say um old matey boy does lick the egg and everything but to be fair to Brad he does swap it doesn't he he takes it says I'll have this one and gives her his eggs but yeah I just thought he he does let them go a little bit too far yeah because then they all just like eventually like because I do like the fact that he doesn't raise his voice until right at the end he like smacks the table doesn't he and he's like oh fucking Mm. nice stomp your teeth and that and then they all just literally shit themselves and then I think it's Gordo who's like I'm sorry I'm just drunk don't listen to me and all that sort of stuff and then suddenly they get the call like um you need to go on mission and that so they all snap too and then the fucking bombs fall down and poor Norman he looks over and uh sees Emma's body and stuff and he runs over doesn't he and then fucking Burnfall's character comes over and he goes what are you going to do raise her up are you Jesus Christ and he just fucking drags her and fucking launches her back into the tank yeah he's like it's just fucking war isn't it and everything shit happens but yeah it's quite sad when she dies because I mean obviously she's only in it for a few minutes and everything but you know they they bonded straight away and you know I mean he he falls in love like you believe in love at first sight I guess it was just that thing where He'd been so traumatised with what was going on. Then he saw a human face and she showed him love, passion, whatever she showed him. Um, it probably wasn't love. It probably was lust. But you can see, like, the actual devastation when she's dead. And it was quite sad. Yeah, yeah, it was horrible. And I just think, like, the amount of times that that probably must have happened to people just going about their business in a village and a fucking mortar or something drops and away he goes. It's just fucking horrible, isn't it, really? Yeah, totally. So now the tanks receive orders to capture and hold a vital crossroad to protect the division's vulnerable rear lines. En route, they're ambushed by a tiger tank, which wipes out the entire platoon except for Fury. Fury eventually destroys the tiger by outmaneuvering it and firing on its um, thinner rear armour. Unable to notify his superiors because the radio has been damaged, Don decides they must continue their mission. Upon arriving at the crossroads, the tank is immobilised by a landmine. Don sends Norman to scout nearby hill. From there, he spots a battalion of Waffen SS infantry approaching. Don decides to stay, convincing the others to stand and fight. This bit here, um, I'm going to say, is probably the best scene in the movie, and it's so fucking tense. This fight they have with the Tiger Tank is fucking brutal. And how tense yeah. it is seeing these three like tiny little fucking M4 tanks compared to the Tiger, which, for those who don't know, was fucking force to be reckoned with it was a dominant kind of tank of the world war ii that the germans had it's just fucking brilliant the way this is shot yeah i really like this bit 
I mean, it's fucking gnarly, isn't it? I mean, some guy gets his fucking head completely like yes. exploded, doesn't he? Fucking hell. And I was like, whoa, when I saw that bit, that was a real shit fucking hell moment. But yeah, I really enjoyed this battle. It was really good. I mean, saying enjoying sounds horrible, like, but yeah, it was really, really well shot. Yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. I mean, again, I've seen this movie before, but like I say, only a couple of times, and I had fucking goosebumps watching this because there's so much kind of like the claustrophobia and everything. It's obviously cut into old um, Shia LaBeouf, like firing and everything, and everyone's kind of panicking. They're trying to figure out what to do because it's like an M4 Sherman is just no match for a Tiger, basically. Um, basically, the Sherman weighed 33 tons and it was equipped with a 75 millimeter gun, and the Tiger weighed 54 tons and an 88 millimeter gun. It also had 3.9 inch thick armor, which means that the Sherman shells, literally, as you saw in the movie, just bounced off the side. This thing was fucking devastating. And I think, you know, from a lot of stories that I've read and history books that I've read, like everyone just shit their pants if there was a tiger tank around. And this scene pretty much shows why. Yeah, you can see why, can't you? But it's quite cool the way they maneuver around it. And again, like this tank battle, there's these two fucking huge tanks, obviously, the, um, the, Tiger tanks a lot bigger and more powerful, but it shows it, it's really weird, isn't it? The way it's shot because they're both so slow moving, they have to wind round and fire at each other. And it's not, you know, I mean, I guess you play COD in games like that and it is trying to be as realistic as possible, but this just sort of shows it in perspective that you weren't just firing like, you know, round after round. You had to wind it in, fucking get you in position, fucking load it up and then fire. It wasn't just instant, was it? No, it wasn't. And you got old, because you see the shot, don't you? Because old Bernthal's their loader and they're like, oh no, get the smoke out, get the smoke out. And he's like fucking rummaging around looking for the smoke show, loading it so old fucking Sheila Buff can fire. And I do like, um, I had to look at what he's actually saying because every time he fires, he said like, on the way or something like that. And he just, mm. that's the main word he says. I was like, what is he actually saying? And I looked it up and that was a, a standard call for the US military um, just to warn the crew that a shell was on the way. So imagine obviously it shook the tank and everything and just allowed them to brace themselves. But he says it literally every time he shoots. And again, another bit of accuracy there because that was a general command that they used. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? Yeah, I had subtitles on while I was watching this, not because I can't understand it, it's just because they, they were turned on for something else and I just left them on, which is quite handy for this review because I got some of the dialogue. Um, but yeah, and also it's like is it like a foot pedal that you fire with? You see his foot go down each time, so I'm assuming that's that's what fired it. Yeah, he's got it's like a big wire, isn't it? Type thing. Mm. Um, his sort of firing mechanism, and he's got like this kind of um, it's like a joystick, isn't it, which turns the turret in that. But again, like you yeah. said, there, play it in Call of Duty, and yeah, tanks are slow, but like I say, winding it in, waiting for the loading shot, and then it was Brad Pitt, wasn't it? The driver's kind of like calling out the aim, not the gunner himself as such. So. There's so much communication and shit. You really had to have your shit together in a fight like that, I'd imagine. Fair play to them. Absolutely. And we've, we've seen as well, they've been, you know, they've had a few drinks, haven't they? Obviously, when they were in Emma's place, they had a couple of drinks and everything, and they found some alcohol when they took the town. So you wonder how coherent they were with lack of sleep, drink and everything. They couldn't have been the most coherent when they were doing this. Definitely. Although, if I was going to go down and fight, I'd rather do it with a fucking bottle of whiskey to hand, I'd imagine. It's the only way I'd have the balls to fucking do it, I think. <laughs> well, absolutely. And we see later on, there is a bottle of whiskey in the tank that um, Brad finds. But, yeah, I mean, it's a bit of a fucking shock moment. Again, you've had a few, well, I had a few whoa moments when I've seen people getting taken out. And then when they hit that landmine, it's all sort of fairly calm and everything. They're just driving along. Then, bang, they hit the fucking landmine. It's like, shit, it's another sort of, not a jump moment, but it's like a whoa moment, isn't it? Yeah, and again, speaking of like like we said before, like Brad Pitt's acting and like the acting of all of them is really good. But like 
when the other two Shermans get taken out, like you can just see like the kind of, I don't know, like the the, the fear in their faces, like, fuck, you know, are we going to beat this thing now? You know, we've lost one, now we've lost two. It's just us against this tiger. They're literally, they're, the look on their faces, like, mate, one fucking wrong move and we're dead pretty much. And it's just that whole tensity of this entire sequence. It's just fucking brilliant. Yeah, it is, isn't it? I mean, um, old, um, I think Don apologises Norman at this point, doesn't he? When they're sort of immobilised, they've hit the landmine and everything. He's like, yeah, I think you are a good man and everything. And then he sends him off and I thought, fucking hell, he, he doesn't, obviously, you're not really going to argue. He's his superior, you've got to do what he says. But he's like, all right, he just trundles off and sort of runs off into the distance, doesn't he, to scout out what's going on. And fuck me, there's there's quite a few SS in there. They've got vehicles and they're all marching and singing. And he comes running back in an absolute state of panic like you would. Yeah, absolutely. I do like this scene. It's, it's kind of like, kind of sweet in a little way. And it's kind of like you get in a lot of these movies where you know there's not going to be a particular happy ending. And like you say, like, he apologises to him and goes, oh, I think you're a good guy. We're probably not, but I just wanted you to know that. And then Brad Pitt throws him a little box of crackers and he's like, go and scout the hill. And he's like, can I grab my canteen, please? He's oh, like, yeah. yes, canteen. And he fucking runs up and he's just sat there eating away, just munching away on his crackers, isn't he? And then like you say, after fucking German SS come walking down the hill. They do indeed. I mean, I'd have loaded that fucking canteen with whiskey, I'm pretty sure. I'd be like, right, I'm fucking going now. I'm just going to get pissed and fall asleep in the hedge and see what happens. But obviously he needed to keep his wits about him. But yeah, when he comes back and everything, and old Don says, yeah, we're going to fucking stay and fight and everything. I mean, I've never been in that situation. I never will be, thank God. But I guess what other choice did they have, really? Where were they going to go, the other guys? I mean, they're, they're not really into it at first, but he persuades them and obviously they... They respect him, so they do stay. But you know, fucking hell, what what choice have you got? Yeah, and it's also the fact that like the tracks have been blown off the tank. They're like, can you fix it? And he goes, yeah, why not? And it's like, mate, that yeah. stuff weighs tons. A fair play, obviously. I know they're equipped, they're engineers and stuff, but they were quite resourceful, weren't they? Being able to fucking attempt to do a repair in the middle of nowhere or a fucking tank. Yeah, I did think that when he's like, yeah, why not? And I'm like, are you just saying that casually, or can you actually do it? Because it looked like a big job to be fucking done with. Like you say, they had a few tools and a few resources, but it looked like a too big a job just to be done sort of on the fly. Well, yeah, it's going to take more than a fucking jack from Halfords, isn't it, to lift that thing out? <laughs> <of the> fucking... <laughs> yeah, exactly. So now the men disguise Fury to make it appear knocked out and then hide inside. While they wait, the crew finally gives Norman a nickname, Machine, to show their, appreci- their acceptance of him. They then ambush the Germans, inflicting heavy casualties in a long and vicious battle. Grady is killed by a Panzerfaust that penetrates the turret. Gordo is shot while unpinning in a grenade and sacrifices himself by covering it before it explodes. Then the sniper kills Bible and severely wounds Don. Out of ammunition and surrounded, Don orders Norman to escape through the floor hatch as the Germans drop potato masher grenades in the tank. Norman slips out just before they explode, killing Don. Norman tries to hide as the Germans move on, but is spotted by a young SS soldier. The soldier hesitates, then leaves, deciding not to alert his comrades. The next morning, Norman crawls back into the tank where he covers Don's body with his jacket. He is rescued by American soldiers who praise him as a hero. As Norman is driven away in an ambulance, he looks back at the disabled fury while the American troops continue their advance. So we kind of knew it was going to happen in this movie, like a big fucking shootout finish, but this is like just fucking mental, this bit. And apparently this is the part that the historian... um, guy who i was reading doing some background search on this he said um this is the only part of the movie that isn't accurate because the voth and ss they were literally like 
the fucking nuts. They were like the hardcore, fanatical German army, the best of the best. They'd have taken that tank out in like the fucking blink of an eye. They had Panzerfaust, they had the numbers, they'd have done expert tactics. They would have taken that thing out in fucking minutes. So the fact yeah. that they had this big gunfight and they managed to mow down about a fucking hundred of them is a bit inaccurate, but it's still a pretty cool looking sequence to be fair. Yeah, it's a cool battle, isn't it? I mean, Brad finds out a sort of bottle of whiskey doesn't he in the tank I'm assuming it's a bottle of whiskey it's a bottle of alcohol some description they pass it around and there's quite a cool scene there where they're passing it around and that's when Norman gets his name machine and everything and then they properly ambush the SS and yeah I, I thought this as well I mean I, I'm not a historian I'm not even into war films as you know or the history of the war but Norman gets on the machine gun he's fucking loving it he's going you fucking Nazis because at this point he's seen them kill Emma and everything and he's pretty pissed off with Nazis in general so he's completely flipped out but yeah I thought you know it's a cool scene it's, it's really well done I, I liked it but yeah they, they'd have literally fucking taken those guys out in a heartbeat wouldn't they they were confined to the tank and a couple of them do jump off and try and sort of do a bit of foot soldier action but yeah they wouldn't have survived like five minutes would they really no nah, they'd have had them fucking cooked wouldn't they but yeah. again the whole way this this sequence is shot looks beautiful i think because obviously it's, it's gotten dark now and then you've got like, the fire of the building behind them and everything it's just giving this whole kind of like silhouette to the whole battle and that and it's really good i mean a lot's going on but they keep it all confined pretty much to what these guys are doing in the tank for something that's so claustrophobic they manage to squeeze a lot of action in for such a tight confine obviously we do see shots of the outside of the nazis being sort of blown apart in bits and pieces um but yeah it's just a really good sequence I think it's just obviously you can tell like you say just by watching it that it is a little bit far-fetched considering there's like a thousand Nazis and four of these do <laughs> yeah but it works well for the, the the film doesn't it I mean I did think that you see some sort of wider shots of the tank when it's getting battered by like fucking grenades and stuff and I thought it looked a bit bit fake I don't know how that was shot um there's a pretty gnarly scene in there old um don brad pitt he drags the nazi into the tank and stabs him in the neck after he's been shot and i thought that was pretty fucking gnarly yeah yeah that is pretty brutal isn't it um i assume yeah this is all like a set and everything one thing i forgot to mention just going back to the um fight with the tiger that tiger they use is actually the last active tiger in the world and it's in a british museum at the moment and it's also the only time since 1950 that a real-life tiger has been used in a movie. But yeah, that is the last functioning World War II tiger they used for this movie. All right. Oh, good little fact there, Brad Roll. <laughs> another thing in this battle, though, old Bible, he does a bit of a cod run, doesn't he? He sort of runs off and he tries to grab another <laughs> weapon and everything. I was like, that reminds me of cod when, you know, you see the dead bodies and you can press X to pick up the weapon. And you're like, oh, I'll give that weapon a go. He sort of does a bit of that, doesn't he? He does, yeah, and again, I guess it's sort of narrow escape, doesn't he? Because those guys come running towards him, and he just ends up like battering him to death. And another kind of Call of Duty bit we get is when that little sniper comes along, doesn't he? Like sneaking through, like all fucking gillied up and everything. He's got like fucking like little curtain tassels hanging in front of his eyes. I'm surprised he can see through his scope, but he obviously takes out a couple. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? And then we get old Gordo jumping on the grenade. He, he sort of sacrifices himself, as the synopsis said there. I thought that was pretty pretty sad. I like Gordo as a character. And then old um, Brad, Don, goes a bit Rambo on the machine gun before he gets shot by the sniper, doesn't he? Yeah, I, I do have a bit of an issue with this bit. Um, just, again, it's one of those Hollywood things, but I know with this um, sniper, as I can see, he hasn't got like a fucking, you know, like a, a hardcore sniper rifle. He's probably just got like a fucking a good rifle. But Brad Pitt gets shot like three times and he's still alive. He mm. obviously gets one in the shoulder. I think he gets one in the chest, then another one somewhere. And it's like... 
fairly sure those fucking rifle shots with that accuracy would have killed you by now. But obviously he gets back in, shoots another guy in that, and then he eventually dies with the potato mashes. But then when Norman comes back into the tank afterwards, I would have thought his body would be so much more kind of destroyed than it is. He's just got a few like scars down his face. But I'm thinking two grenades just went off in your lap. You'd have been blown apart inside that tank. Of course, exactly the same thing here, Brad. Well, yeah, I mean, at least he got to die in his tank, which obviously was the love of his life, wasn't it? At this point, you know, he'd been in it so long and everything. That's how he'd spent the last five years of his life or whatever. Uh, but yeah, I've got exactly the same thing. When Norman goes back in there, he's got, like say, his face is a bit scarred and well bloodied and everything but he's completely intact and i'm like right so there's been two grenades two or three grenades dropped in there and you're in one piece not really sure that would be the case but yeah and also when norman does crawl out of the hatch and he gets at the bottom uh well under the under the tank he does quite well to dig that hole really quickly doesn't he, and hide in it and then we obviously see the um the ss guy look at him and he sort of smiles and walks off and again as you said there if the SS were that fucking intense, they would have just put a bullet in him and walked, walked on, wouldn't they? They wouldn't have let him go. Yeah, I mean, they were just like fucking evil bastards, weren't they? There's no way around it. Um, I don't think they would have let him go. I suppose it was just because it was quite a young looking SS. They wanted to show the whole kind of this is the end of the war and they're both scared young lads. But yeah. I reckon they would have fucking popped him, I reckon. But yeah, he digs a hole really quick. You could do it with him on Animal Crossing, couldn't you? Get your fucking farm and everything out the way he's digging. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely but i mean the whole ending obviously norman survives but again it's kind of a hollywood ending but it's not because only one person survives and yeah i suppose he was the hero you could say brad was but i suppose norman was the main focus of this film um, and everyone else is dead so i suppose it was and it wasn't a hollywood ending if that makes sense yeah yeah strange in it because kind of hollywood in the kind of the action sense but then it isn't that kind of really happy ending like you say because all like the main characters so like you say through gordon's eyes but brad pitt and everything like the money-making character he gets fucking croaked don't he a bit like tom hanks in saving private ryan i guess yeah and then we get the sort of i, I did like the ending shot we got the aerial view and you get the tank and all the bodies around it while the troops are sort of marching on to the the final part i guess which obviously was the end of the war but yeah i thought it was a good ending shot it's quite sort of dramatic and quite wide and open yeah, yeah, really artistic, isn't he? He's good, good mm. director. A lot of good angles in this movie. Yeah. So that yeah. is our our look at um, Fury for this one. So the only thing left to do is to give this one some scores, and I believe I'll do I'll go first because I chose the movie. I think that's how we do it, isn't it? It is indeed, Brad. Well, probably is your cho- your turn anyway, because yeah, like I chose the last one six years ago when we did our last one. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> go for it. Feels like it, but yeah, let's uh, let's take a crack then. So um. Yeah, so I really like this film. Um, I love the way it's shot. It's very bleak, it's dark, it's cold, which helps convey the setting and the atmosphere, I think. Um, and I like that it really focuses on the Waffen SS. It's the real villains of the piece. Like generally, as we know, everyone knows World War II, obviously the German soldiers and stuff, but it was the fanatics, the SS particularly. They were the fucking evil bastards that started the whole thing. And obviously they really, really hunker down on them as the main villains, as opposed to just being like generic German soldiers, like you see in a lot of war movies. Um, All the actors do a good job. The characters are good, even though they're not necessarily likable. As I mentioned at the start, I don't think they're supposed to be. It's by design. They're just a random ragtag of people that were thrown together in the war, like a lot of things. And they've all got different ideals and beliefs and all this stuff. And when they're on point, when they're on mission, they all function together. But outside of that, they're just all fucking crazy people that are all dealing with this shit in their own way really 
the pacing's good. It's not a roller coaster movie, I wouldn't say, but um, the time spent with the characters and the exposition helps draw you in and it makes the action sequences a bit more brutal and intense, like we discussed. Um, the end fight sequence is a bit long for what happens. It does go a bit Hollywood, as we mentioned, but it doesn't ruin the movie. Um, and I think the the highlight of the movie in general is the battle with the tiger. I think that's as good a fucking intense sequence as you'll see in any war movie, for my money. And overall, I really like it. Um, it's not one I watch over and over, but it certainly does deserves its place on the shelf of great war movies. And personally, I think Brad Pitt is fucking brilliant in this movie. So I'm going to give it four really good, strong udders. I did debate giving it five. But I think I'm just going to give it four really good, strong ones. It is a great movie. What about yourself? Good stuff, Brad Roll. Yeah, no, good stuff for that, Brad Roll. So, um, yeah. So what shall I say then? Well, that's two war films you've made me watch now. And after all I've said about not liking them, I've actually enjoyed them both. So yeah. without giving too much away, which I'm about to anyway, um, yeah, I like this. I, I, I did really like it. I thought the cast were all good. Brad Pitt's always good, as we know. And one one thing I will say, though, I thought he was better in the slower parts. Some of the action bits, he went a bit OTT with his like, come on, fucking, you know, blah, blah, blah. But in general, really good. I mean, Brad never fails, does he? Let's be honest. Um, Shia LaBeouf for once didn't annoy me. I didn't even know he was in this film until I, I, I saw it roll. I was like, fuck's sake, no. But he's actually good in this. He didn't annoy me, which is the first film I've seen him. He hasn't annoyed me. Uh, Logan Lerman, I'd never really seen him from before, but I thought he was really good. Um, he, he's genuine. He was believable. And Michael Pena, Pena, whatever, from Narcos Mexico. I liked him in that, and I thought he was good in this. So the whole crew were cool. Um, I loved the battle scenes. I thought they were excellent. And I thought it was well-paced. Some of the slower scenes broke it up really well. The bits with Emma and everything and some of the, the character building they did between the crew. It wasn't overdrawn. It, it was paced really, really well. Um, so, yeah, all in all, I did enjoy it and I'd happily watch it again. So maybe I'm changing my mind on War Films, Fred Roll. Maybe you're turning the corner for me. So I'll give this three, but a very strong three. And I would happily watch it again. So, um, yeah. Maybe you are changing my mind on war films. So, yeah, a strong three for me, Brad Roll. So um, thanks for recommending it. Oh, lovely stuff. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. It's the main thing. Um, but, yeah, absolutely. And uh, don't worry, uh, I've got plenty more war movies on my shelf. So as the months come, I might slip up one in there and see if we can, we can keep that trend going. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm warming to it. Like I say, I'm, I'm more, more into the idea these days. Lovely. And um, to all our listeners out there, I'm sorry we've been away a little while. Um, my phone hasn't made a stupid noise and it appears to still be recordings, which means you will be listening to this on Monday morning. So thank you very much for um, bearing with us while we get this episode out. Let us know your thoughts um, on Fury. Have you seen it? If it's a movie that interests you, do you think we scored it appropriately? And um, yeah, just let us know your thoughts. Get in touch at the Hyperbaric Goats on Twitter. And I'm going to say this, touching wood and everything else I can fucking grab. Join us next week. Providing everything works, because JT is going to choose a movie, which he is going to reveal now, I'd imagine. I am indeed, Pedro. And I've been thinking about this one. I've had three weeks to think about it. Um, now, this is a risk for both of us, because I've not seen this, but I think we should do it, because it would have been a bit more topical three weeks ago when this should have gone out. I'm going to put forward everything, everywhere, all at once, which has won shitloads of Oscars. Apparently, it's amazing could be a part of shit but i think we probably should need to look at it so what do you reckon about that one bread roll it's on amazon prime by the way uh yeah i've never heard of it so i don't watch award shows anymore but um yeah i'm well up for giving that a crack on amazon prime you say so yeah i mean if it was a, a highly 
awarded movie, then yeah, by all means, we should definitely take a crack at it. So, um, who's in it? Um, <laughs> there we go. I can't remember. She she won Best Actor. Um, she oh, was is it Michelle Michelle Yeoh? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I did actually. I did read that she won um, something. So it must be that one she's connected to. Yeah, no, fair enough. I'm well up for watching that, and I have no idea what it's about. So it'd be even more interesting. Same, no idea, but it won shitloads of Oscars, best film. She won best actor. Um, it's it's on Prime. It's free, which is weird considering it's fairly new. I'm assuming as it's won loads of awards recently. Um, but I thought it could be a pile of shit. But let's have a look at it. So yeah, it's a risk, but I thought let's let's do it. Sounds good. Yeah, I'm up for that. So uh, you heard it here. That is what we're going to be looking at next week, providing everything goes according to plan. Or whenever our next episode eventually goes out, that'll be the movie we'll be reviewing. So join us in 2025. And the next episode <laughs> recorded at this rate. <laughs> yeah, it won't be so topical then, will it? But yeah. <laughs> but there we go. Thank you, as always, for joining us. Um, make sure, obviously, you're sharing us on Twitter and uh, following us to stay up to date and tell your friends about us because any movie recommendations you or they want to put forward, we always try and put them towards the top of our list if they're easy to get hold of on the streaming sites. makes life a little bit easier. So we'd be happy to review some movies that you lot all put forward. So keep that in mind and let us know. And this is Bread Roll signing off. And for me, JT, I've just got one last thing to say. Have we the same? Asshole. <laughs>